All right. I have something that I would like to share with you today. And uh, I remember in the Word of God, it says that we ought to always watch and pray. Watch and pray. And I think that's very important that we take that, um, that, we take that as a lesson for us. At all times, we are to watch and pray. So I have a little something that I want to share with you today. But before I get started, I just want to have a word of prayer, and then I'll get into the, the message. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful for your many blessings. We ask, Lord, you'll continue to watch and care over us and loved ones. And Father, we pray that as your children, that you'll lead us, that you will guide us, that Christ will be our focus in everything. Lord, as we get closer and closer to the end of all things, we know that it's important that we be like those individuals in Revelation, where it says that these are they that follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. We want to be that people. So bless us, Lord, and open up our ears so that we might hear what this message is about. And Lord, we thank you once again for your blessings and for being here with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Trying a little something new here. Now, the title of my message is Going Back to Sinai. And there's a specific reason why I chose this. There is an event coming up next month that when I found out about it, I thought it was very interesting. And I was thinking it was something that, you know, we, we might want to hear and know about. And uh, it's being sponsored by a couple of groups. There's several groups involved, but there's two in particular that I want to mention. But before I mention those, I want to let you know a little bit about what's happening next month. There are two events that are going to coincide with one another. One event comes from the UN, the United Nations. The United Nations, uh, between November the 6th and the 18th, they're going to have their climate conference, COP27. So it's a climate conference. The UN, like so many others, are interested in the climate. They're interested in the environment. And uh, I'll get, a little, get into that a little bit more as I go along here. So the UN event happens for about two weeks. Now. In the midst of those two weeks, there's another event being planned. It's not necessarily being planned by the UN itself, but this event, the ones who are holding this event in the middle, they're hoping to have some influence on the UN's conference. So I will give you the name of those main two participants in this conference. And what they're calling their conference and what they're doing, yeah, they're calling it returning to Sinai. Now, mine says going back to Sinai, but they have entitled their meetings returning to Sinai. And they have one specific day that they want to make sure that people know it's coming up. And that one day is November the 13th. It is a Sunday. And this is when they're going to have their meeting returning to Sinai. And this is from their website. I got some information. And this is what it says. 
Returning to Sinai, a prophetic call for climate justice and ceremony of repentance. I thought that to be very interesting. You know, they're calling for climate justice, and it is a ceremony for repentance. All right, I'm going to read a little bit further here. All right, so they say this is going to be held Sunday, November the 13th, this year, Mount Sinai, and then they say in parallel with the COP27 UN climate conference. All right, so you got these two events going on, but I'm not going to deal with the UN climate conference. I want to stick with this here group here. Now, who are they? There's two main participants here. There's the Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development, and then there is the, the Elijah the Elijah Interfaith Institute. All right, I'm going to give you a little information about who they are. <clears throat> All right. The Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development, I found this on their website. It says that they are a nonprofit organization founded and directed by Rabbi Yonatan Narell in 2010. Based in Jerusalem, the Interfaith Center for Sustainable Development reveals the connection between religion and ecology and mobilizes faith communities to act. So here we have, they're connecting religion and ecology. All right, sounds like a little strange mixture here to me, but they're mixing the two. All right, that's one group. Now, the next group, uh, the Elijah Interfaith Institute. Who, who, who are they? Once again, Elijah Interfaith Institute is a nonprofit, international, UNESCO-sponsored interfaith organization which was founded by Rabbi Alan Goshen Godenstein, Godenstein in 1997 and is headquartered in Jerusalem. Now, this here organization they give us a little information about who they are. I'll read this here. Now remember, their name is the Elijah Interfaith Institute. Now, before I read this here, when you think about Elijah, what comes to mind? If you have read this story, if you know about Elijah, I don't know about you, but for me, when I think about Elijah, I think about that day on Mount Carmel when he faced all those prophets of Baal. And not only that, but he told the people, you have to decide. It's like, uh, make a choice. Make a choice. If God is God, then serve him. And if Baal is God, then serve him. And the people didn't say anything. But we know that there was a test that came about. And as a result, Elijah, no, God showed up. And God accepted Elijah's offering by, and he burnt it by fire, burnt it with fire. And, and, uh, and so it was decided at that point who was the true God. So that's the Elijah that I know. But now this here, the Elijah Interfaith Institute, and that word interfaith always interests me. It says, the spirit of Elijah is wisdom, inspiration, friendship, and hope across religious traditions. That part right there made me think, 
the Elijah that I know did not have these connections between religious traditions where one religion supported another. And I would say that we have to be very careful. We do work in conjunction with Heaven's Healing's hands, and we do work in conjunctions with others. But the thing is, we are never to let down our guard in the sense that we start to leave our doctrines, leave our teachings, leave the Word of God behind in order to associate with others. So we must be very careful. We have a unique and distinct message that we must carry at all times. And so there are so many interfaith religious organizations that when you come together, you cannot express your religious beliefs. Certain things you have to put aside in order for the organization to come together and to work together. So we must be very careful there. So <clears throat> the spirit of Elijah, wisdom, inspiration, friendship, and hope across religious traditions. Then it says, Elijah deepens understanding among religions. Elijah's mission is to foster unity in diversity, creating a harmonious world. Elijah's message, the world's great religions radiate wisdom that can heal the world. Deep level spiritual conversation across interreligious lines enriches our inner lives, enhances our prayer, and opens our hearts. Discover unity and embrace diversity. This line here, we are many and we are one. We are many and we are one. There is a commercial on TV, I haven't seen it lately, but part of that commercial says, talks about all around the world, all over the world, we are one, we are one. That sounds good, and there's nothing wrong with unity, but unity must be based upon certain principles. Unity based upon lies is not unity at all. Unity must be based upon faith, truth, trust, and things of that nature. So can we come together with others? Yes, we can, but it must be done in truth. So. This organization, what they are promoting, it doesn't sound like the Elijah that, that I know. It doesn't sound like the Elijah of the Bible. Now, these two organizations, along with others, have an event planned for next month, as I mentioned, November the 13th, 2022, at Mount Sinai. Now, this meeting comes between the UN meetings. The title. Returning to Sinai. If you want to look this up, you can find this yourself. Go up on the computer and just uh, put in there, Returning to Sinai. And this here will come up. And it says, A prophetic call for climate justice and ceremony of repentance. We'll get into that a little bit in a moment. I have something that I want to read from their official paper here. <clears throat> It says, between November 6th and 18th, as mentioned before, the UN Climate Conference, COP27, that's the name, will take place on the Sinai Peninsula in Sharm el 
Sharik, Egypt. So this meeting, the UN's meeting, is being held in Egypt on the Sinai Peninsula. It says religious communities and religious leaders have a key role to play in addressing climate change and climate justice, which requires deep transformation within society. What do they mean by this requires deep transformation within societies? When you start hearing words like this here, for me, that is a sign that I need to pay attention to what they're saying. What are they saying? Deep transformation, deep changes. What are these deep changes that they plan to make? They don't make any specifics here, so I can't tell you what's on their mind. But myself, I just know that when I hear things like this here, I stay on my guard. What are these deep changes they're talking about making in society? They go on to say, the knowledge of what changes are critically, critically needed to diminish long-term harm to the planet is readily available. So they're talking about saving the planet. They're talking about doing things to save this planet. I'll talk a little bit about that as we go on. All right. Okay, I'm going to read another, another part here. It says, over the weekend on November the 12th and 13th, few official discussions or activities are planned at COP27. So they're saying that when the UN, when they get a point in their uh, sessions, things are not busy with them, then that's when they want to hold their meetings. It says, this provides a major moment when the attention of media and participants can be turned to interreligious climate messaging and a transformation, a transformative vision. On Sunday, November 13, religious leaders will return to Mount Sinai, a mountain, whose, a mountain whose memory and meaning loom large as a place of revelation in the collective consciousness of Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Islam, and others. It is a site for turning to God and receiving God's message. All right. It's a place for returning to God. All right. My question is, who is the God that they're talking about returning to? Is it the God of the Bible? I question that because when you have all these different religions coming together, can you say that we are turning to the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Well, I don't think so, because you have these different religious beliefs, and they have different gods. And so I question when they say that is a time of returning to God, who is this God that they're talking about? And in their literature here, they don't make any specifics to any God. They just kind of leave it open, God. And uh, it's, I guess it's up to you or to whoever's reading or listening to interpret what God they're talking about. And they talk about receiving God's message. So they're returning to God 
and they want to receive God's message. Well, you know, I'm told that there is more than one spirit in this world, and the Bible even talks about the God of this world. So for us, I think we need to look at things like this here and compare it with what the Word of God says. The true and living God compared to the gods of this world. I would dare say that this God that they're talking about has to be the gods of this world, whoever that may be. There are some who are even elevating nature to the position of God. Nature as God. Now, if you know our history as Seventh-day Adventists, there was a time when this church had a problem with pantheism. That's the belief that God is in everything. He's in the trees. He's in the flowers. He's in the water. He's in the animals. God is in us. And so that thing really, really uh, set our church at variance with one another in many respects. And uh, if you have read where Sister White talks about pantheism, she called that the alpha. That was an alpha experience. And she said the omega would come. And she trembled when she saw the omega and what would happen to God's people. And so when I look at this here, and I think that in so many cases, they're talking about nature. They're talking about our environment as if it is God. Uh, the Pope calls, calls the environment our mother. He also calls it our sister. So to me, all these things are key words that I pay attention to, and I try and figure out what is it they're truly saying, and who is this God that they're truly talking about worshiping. Now, I dare say that it is not the God that we know of. The God that we know of, the message that he gave upon Mount Sinai, as Ed began to read part of it, he gave his people his law, his commandments, and I don't think that this is what's, uh, this is the same God. I, I doubt he's going to give the same type of commandments as was given there. But our God, the one that gave the message, uh, it, it was a perfect message. No problem with it. It was a message that was meant to set God's people apart from the rest of the world. Not only to set them apart, but it was a message that would, was supposed to draw others to his people. But this message and this God that they're serving, I'm not sure who it is. They don't, they don't make any specifics about it. But I think it is something that it would be worth our taking time out to look into and, you know, just see what they do. Now, God gave us a perfect law. And better than this perfect law that he gave us, he gave us a living example. He gave us his son, Jesus. And Jesus came, and Jesus fulfilled the law. Every requirement that the law had, Christ fulfilled. He fulfilled it all. And so in fulfilling the whole law, he now makes it possible for us to live in harmony and to also fulfill that law in this sense. He fulfilled it, and if he lives in us, when we accept him, he lives in us, and when we allow him to live his life in us, then the things that he did 
are the things that we will do. The life that he lived is the life that we will live. Now granted, it's not always easy, and living the life of Christ is one that is a life of overcoming. It is a life of growth. When we accept Christ, we, we, we experience the new birth, and being new in faith, it's one of those situations where we need to grow. It's just like a child being born. When a child is born, you expect for that child to grow. You expect for that child to make some changes. The child is a baby at first and you have to do everything for them. And the time comes when the, that child starts to walk on its own. It starts to talk. That child starts to do things. That is growth. We expect that. And if those things don't happen, we start to wonder, well, what is wrong? But as Christians, we are to be growing in grace at all times. So the law is perfect. Christ came, he fulfilled the law, and he, by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, he can give his life to us, and we can live that life of overcoming. So, once again, who is it they're talking about this God, and what is this God going to do? All right. Next one. All right, I have a little more reading to go here. <clears throat> it says, we return to Sinai in a movement of repentance and quest. Repentance. Um, when I think of repentance, I think of God once again and our relationship with him. If we're doing something wrong and we realize it, then what do we do? We repent. We repent. We change. We change what we're doing. We change our direction. So they're telling us that at this meeting that there's going to be repentance and quest. It is a movement of repentance and quest. It says, we seek a new vision from, we seek a new vision for humanity and its endangered existence. And we seek to receive and amplify a message of life-sustaining living and habits that humanity needs to hear today. There's a lot going on here. And for me, once again, I start wondering, what is it they're talking about? This part about uh, seeking a new vision. Seeking a new vision. I'm not quite sure what this vision is that they have planned, but I do believe that whatever they have planned is something that they want you and me, they want the whole world to, to gravitate to, to grab onto it. But they have a new vision. And I do believe that many things that are not being said right now in their, on their website and so forth, I do believe that when they have these meetings, they will put forth more information. But right now, <clears throat> they want to have us catch a new vision for humanity and its endangered existence. <clears throat> they seek to receive and amplify a message. Who do they seek to receive this message from? Who are they expecting to give them this message? We know that in these last days that the Bible tells us that Satan can transform himself into an angel of light. Is it possible that when they are there that he will make an appearance? I don't know. I don't know the future. 
But I will say that it is possible. Is it possible that some miraculous incident will happen so that it will gain the whole world's attention? I would say it's possible, but I can't say it will or won't. I don't know the future. But I think it would be wise of us to keep our eyes on what's happening around the world, these various uh, interfaith uh, organizations and their plans for the environment, their plans for the future. It says now, uh, sustainable living. It says, in this spirit, the project partners will bring together premier religious leaders from the world's major religions to gather up on, and that's very important, to gather up on Mount Sinai to engage in a first ever climate repentance ceremony and to put forth a prophetic interreligious call to action. And now it says, climate justice, 10 universal commandments. Climate justice, 10 universal commandments. This is what they are saying. A climate repentance ceremony. Repentance. It is only when we are not in harmony with God do we need to repent. So are they saying that because we are not in harmony with nature, because we are not in harmony with the environment, we need to repent and change our ways? There's nothing wrong with taking care of our environment. There's nothing wrong with caring for the world that we live in. And we should do that because we are stewards. We are stewards of God's creation. And so we should be taking care of the, this world. But I would dare say that we need to be very careful who we get involved with and to what length we get involved. I would also say that we need to find out if we're getting involved with someone, what is their motive? What is their background? What is it that they are promoting? And is it something that we can get on board with and promote? If yes, then fine. If no, then leave it alone. And I would even say that there are organizations who have a lot of very good things that they want to do. But if you have nine good things that you want to do, and then there's one bad thing or one thing that is not right that you want to do, once again, it's time to be very cautious. Do we want to support someone like that? So we have to be careful. Climate justice, 10 universal commandments. I wonder about these 10 universal commandments. What is on their mind when they talk about 10 universal commandments? Are they looking to replace God's commandments? Are they looking to add to God's commandments? Why are they going up on Mount Sinai? And that's a whole nother issue. They're going up on the mount. But when God came down to meet his children, he told them that they are not to come up the mountain. He told them that there was to be a barricade around it. And if anyone came beyond that, death would be the answer. 
man or beast. In my way of thinking, I, I can't speak for you, but in my way of thinking, when I see things like this here, I begin to think, well, are they in any way trying to rewrite the Bible? Are they trying to rewrite things? And are they trying to, in any way, maybe they don't understand or realize, but are they in, in defiance of God in any way? Remember the original, uh, 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 the original meeting between God and his people, he told them not to come up the mountain, not to touch the mountain. That was for Moses. But here they're saying that they are going to go up the mountain. So are they in any way saying, well, we're going to do what God has commanded Moses and the children, uh, the children of Israel not to do? We're going to take it a step further. We're going to do something a little different. It sounds defiant to me, but I can't say it. But they're going up the mount, and they're going to go there, and I don't know exactly what the ceremony will be. They have not made any specifics, but they will be there and do whatever it is they have to do. And I'm thinking, once again, according to what they're saying, that they will come back and will present this 10 universal commandments. And it has to do something with climate. I have no idea what it is they plan. But I will say this. If we think about the original Ten Commandments, first of all, God identified himself. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, and so forth. So he identified himself. Who is the God that they will promote? I don't know. We know that there was a fourth commandment where God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Will they promote a day of worship? Will they promote a day? I have been reading a few things, and the Pope himself, Pope Francis, back in 2015, 2015 he wrote an encyclical that was... Uh, written to the world. Usually encyclicals are written to the Catholic Church, those of that faith. But this one was written to the world. And in it, there's one place in that encyclical, and there's other hints to it, but one place, in speci one place specific where he is promoting Sunday as a day of rest and renewal. He is promoting it as a day to heal the earth as a day to heal relationships with families and as a day to heal our relationship with God. So now will this group follow suit with what the Pope is saying and come up with a day of rest? I'll put it that way, idea of a day of rest. You know, there is one thing that happened when COVID came in. A lot of activity stopped and when that activity stopped, almost like a Sabbath day's rest, when a lot of activity stopped, it was found that rivers that were polluted began to clear up because they're not being used as much. So rivers started to clear up. The air in certain cities, the air that was really bad, bad air, smog filled, because you don't have as many cars out on the road now, the air begins to clear up. So. It seems as though there are benefits to having a day of rest. For us, we know 
that there is a benefit to having a day of rest. That's why we rest on the seventh day of the week, the Sabbath, the day that God commands us to rest. God knows that there is a benefit to our rest. It's a benefit to us, and it's a benefit to his creation. So now you take that away from its original intent, and you place it on a whole nother day. Now you're defying the true and living God. So now when they write their 10 universal commandments, will they have a day of rest? I don't know. That's the thing, there's a lot that I don't know, and I'm hoping that by standing and saying, I don't know every now and then, that it will get you curious enough so that you will start paying attention, and when the day comes, you along with me, because I plan to, if God allows me to live that long, because tomorrow's not promised, but I plan to find out what it is they're doing up on Mount Sinai. Who is this God that they're worshiping, and what are these 10 universal commandments that, that they want to institute? Friends, I tell you, there's a lot going on. And there are many religious-oriented organizations who are talking a lot about saving this planet. I'm sure you've heard it. They want to save this planet. They want to save it for our children, for our grandchildren. They want to save it for the next generations. And so as a result, they want to do all of these climate activities. They want to stop this. They want to start this. They want to put an end to um, fossil fuel use and a whole lot of other things. So they have all these plans. And I tell myself that with all that they're saying and trying to do, why don't they get involved with the true and living God? Why don't they accept Christ, the Savior? Because if you want a planet that has clean water, fresh air, flowers and nature and, and all those things, that, that's beautiful. Get involved with God's plan. God has a plan to renew this whole world. And you, you, you can't have a better, you can't have a better future than getting involved with God and his plan. Accepting Christ, uh, you know, we become, we become children of God. And God has promised that he is going to recreate the heavens and the earth. And for those who are seeking to save this planet, I have some bad news for you. God has already said that he's going to send his son, and this planet as we know it will be destroyed. Fire will destroy, and it's going to destroy this world. And so if you want a better society, if you want a nice, clean earth, Get on board with God's plan because his plan is phenomenal. God has promised a new heaven. All, those, all that junk that's up there in the sky right now, all those satellites and all that other stuff that's up there is going to be done away with. All the pollution that we deal with here on this earth is going to be done away with. All of the hatred, all of the violence, all of those things are going to be done away with. 
This earth that they are trying to create, this earth that they long to have will not come. It will not come by the work of man. And so they, along with us, everyone must choose. There's only two options. There's God's plan, and then there's man's plan. And you're on one side of the, the you're on one side or the other. And so for us, let us take time out to do all that we can to encourage others to know Christ, to accept him, and then become a part of God's plan of renewal. God is going to renew this earth. Man will do all that he can. He will make all the laws that he's able to make, and he will even go so far as to force. He will force allegiances and force obedience to the laws that he's going to make. But in the end, it's not going to do anything to alleviate the problems that we have in this world. It's only going to get worse. So 10 universal commandments, what are they? I don't know, but I am looking forward to finding out what they have in store. And I'm sure that at some point, if not myself, someone else I'm hoping will stand here at some point and elaborate a little bit more once we have more information. But as I stated at the beginning, we are told that we are to watch and pray. Continue to watch because there's a lot going on out there. Um, and I'm going to say this in closing. Don't have time for this here, but there's one event that happened back in the 60s. Vatican II. Vatican II is very important. And I hope at some point we'll get around to talking about what happened at Vatican II. There were plans made, plans made to re, um, what would be the right word to you? Plans made to recapture, plans made to bring the churches, the Protestant churches back into the fold, Vatican II, the Catholic Church, the papacy. They made some plans. And when I started reading what plans they had made, it amazed me how much of the world, just like the Bible says, and the whole world wandered after the beast. It amazed me the things that they planned, just how true they came and how true they are coming. So we need to watch and pray. Even the Seventh-day Adventist Church, some things were planned for us, and we have followed. We have followed, not totally, but we have followed certain plans. Just want to whet your appetite with that. So with that, I would just simply close by saying, let us watch and pray. Let us be uh, able to uh, share with others the joy that we have, the message that we have, the third angel's message. This is what's going to bring about the second coming of Christ. Once the world hears this here, once the world hears the gospel, Jesus says the gospel will be preached in all the world, and at that time, Christ will come back. That is our hope. And let us continue to praise him for his promise of returning and taking us to a home where we will have a better world. Yeah.